Yo, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, David, here for Eating Culture Podcast. We have an amazing episode ahead of us. We have the one, the only Michael Bowes in the house. We have your boy, Tito, a.k.a. What's your call of duty? (laughs) Don Don Solo Solo. (laughs) in the house. Yes, sir. Hey, um, super stoked. We have an amazing, amazing episode. Before jumping into it, how did you guys meet? We met like five years ago. Yeah, originally we met at a youth like retreat or conference. Um, I was uh, the youth uh, worship leader at the time, and um, Michael was a guest preacher. So we met there. We didn't really keep in contact. We just kind of like knew of each other at that point. And then years later, we reconnected again at, at another youth retreat. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, at the time, uh, Michael was doing youth ministry at another church, and he needed help with the worship. So I just started helping him out, kind of from. Mm-hmm. To go from there, yep. yeah. And so then you moved to Seattle, and what are you currently doing back? Back was that? What do you say? Back home? Yeah, right. Yeah, back home. Back home. Back home. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm finishing uh, my master's. I'm in my last semester at Western Seminary. Jeez. So I graduate oh, next month. Go. Um. And then about I'm going to start a THM degree in the summer. Um. So I'm super close to Portland, where my school's at. So I'm able to hop, you know, hop in the car and be there in two and a half hours. Uh, and spend some time in Portland. I am uh, an elder candidate at my church, so kind of like a lay elder role, um, volunteer pastor. Um, so I'm on the teaching rotation. I also play drums on the worship band. And then I work full-time at Absolute Ministries, which is a Christian faith-based transitional housing provider where we help men and women co- that are coming out of uh, drug and alcohol addiction, uh, who've completed like an inpatient rehab program, we nice. help them transition into a new way of life and just what it looks like following Jesus in real world. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I think that, um, I think especially today's conversation is such a needed one. Coming out of COVID, the pandemic, there's been a lot of change. I feel like during COVID or after COVID, a lot of people just transitioning out of church And I know that like when you transition or there's whenever there's change, there's conflict. When we talk about culture, um, we know that healthy things grow. And as leaders, if we are going to lead a church, if we're going to lead a youth group, um, whatever area we're leading, I think it has to come from a place of being a healthy leader. I know that for myself and I think all of us here at this table have gone through some type of church hurt. You know, um, for some people, it's been a little bit crazier than others. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that we've all experienced it. And um, maybe there's someone listening to this who perhaps is going through that, has dealt with that in the past. And so kind of want to hear from you guys. When you guys think of church hurt, it's it's such a I was like, what do you guys think when you think of church hurt? But um, how would you guys practically encourage someone who's going through a season of hurt and pain. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, prior to getting into that, I think it's important to remember, um, we're all humans. Um, and there was no perfect human other than Jesus. And so even though we're regenerate, you know, at conversion, um, we're justified, we're in sanctification, we still deal with sin and we still struggle against our flesh. And, um, it's really messy. And so I, as, you know, as I think about church hurt, I know it's a wide spectrum of things that could be on that list yeah. from 
like real serious spiritual abuse to, you know, manipulation, just even, you know, overworking volunteers to, you know, things said in not the right way. I don't know if you guys would add anything to that list that I'm, I'm missing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you kind of nailed it, but yeah, just like heard from leadership, um, being overworked, not appreciated, not being like, uh, spiritually cared for. Um, but yeah, yeah, it could be a wide variety of things for sure. Yeah. And I like that. I like that you said not being spiritually cared for. I think sometimes like leaders assume that like people serving under them are just, um, I don't know, spiritually healthy and cultivating yeah. their own walk with God and, um, they're leading. So obviously there's some calling, there's some gifting, um, but there's kind of, there could be that moment where leaders step away from, you know, like investing and being intentional and continue. You know, I think in my own story, I've experienced church hurt. Um, and I think for a long time, um, I played the victim in that. And I, in a lot of ways, I didn't handle things the best. Um, and I learned from that and I'm learning from that. Um, but I think something shifted when I started looking at those wounds in like that I was dealing with uh, and not just playing like this victim because there could almost be this like false security or security blanket of like yeah. hiding behind like, well, he offended me or yeah. he didn't treat me right or he didn't care for me. And like, but at some point months go on and you're like, why am I still replaying the tape? Why am oh. I still talking about this? Like I have to look at myself and like ride that train deep down into my soul and whether that's in the form of therapy or, um, you know, there's many ways to deal with it, but it's like, I think just being okay with looking at that hurt in your soul. For sure. Yeah. And I think there's, um, like healthy and unhealthy ways of, um, dealing with church hurt. Right. And I think for me, when I was experiencing it at the, at the time, um, a few years back, I'd I didn't deal with it in a healthy way where I just kind of was like upset, not only with my leadership, but even got upset with God for a bit, um, wanted to completely walk away from church. And so I think, um, from that experience, I mean, you know, God still redeemed that and still used that and, you know, kind of brought me on the other side of that. But of of course there's, you know, that side of the spectrum where you can handle it, um, not in the right way, kind of lash out or, um, even project things towards, you know, your leadership at the time. I think I can relate to you. I played the victim for so long um, in, you know, being so offended by what people said, being so offended by what people did. And it wasn't until um, I did go to therapy and I really took a look at myself and went through some extremely humbling experiences and realized that, yeah, people did offend me. But also I was extremely prideful and I was I was being extremely prideful. I wasn't um, allowing leadership to speak into my life and, you know, always being really defensive. And it it took a lot of um, a lot of self-reflection to be able to look myself and and deal with those things. And I think God was dealing with me in that season. Um, And so I think it's it's such a painful thing to go through church hurt, but I think in the end, um, getting through the other side, you come out so much more stronger um, and, and so much wiser of just, um, you know, learning how to deal with, with those situations. Yeah, I think for me, when I moved up to Washington from L.A. Uh, and started working for Absolute Ministries, um, I was very prideful, very entitled, um, felt like everything revolved around what I should get or how I should be treated. 
And I was skeptical, like because I'd been hurt in my past, I didn't trust or believe the best in the ministry I was at. So even though like, even though I moved to another state, was in a different ministry with like that, a completely different culture, I took the stuff inside of me that like was toxic and not good with me. And there was a real defining moment. The president CEO of where I work, Cameron Burke, um, presented like an opportunity for us to fundraise. And I had such a warped perspective and outlook on like offsetting my salary with this opportunity to fundraise. And I totally twisted it like in some awful ways, right? Like that, you know, the list could go on. But I remember having an honest conversation with him about like how I was looking at it. And he very graciously, like full of truth and full of grace was like, Michael, like I'm doing this to help your family. Like I have no ill will against you. And he told me very bluntly, he's like, it's not fair for us and our team that you come up here with like the hurt. It's like you have daggers towards all of us um, who have no ill will against you. And it's just not fair. And David, uh, in one of his Psalms, Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24, um, he takes us further, right? He takes us into a conversation with the Lord. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I like, I did that after that conversation with Cameron. I'm like, gosh, like what is it inside me? And I felt like the Lord brought me to, um, like to remember the way of love, you know, Paul spells out what love looks like in first Corinthians 13, like love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs, love yeah. believes the best, like essentially love loves as if it's never been hurt. And I was so challenged by that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think for me, it's same. I, th- I think looking back, I was, uh, playing the victim. Um, I was the worship leader in, in, in a Spanish ministry and English industry, uh, ministry, and um, for a long time, I think my excuse was um, like, oh, you know, they're overly religious and in a Pharisee-like way, and, and I'm very humble and accepting, so therefore I'm, I'm better than them. And I kind of um, just believed that, and eventually it, it, it played out towards how I would act towards them. I thought I was better than them because I was, like, accepting or, you know, just different per se. But um, at the same time, it wasn't healthy on my end either. As much as, you know, the maybe the leadership wasn't healthy, but I kind of was projecting the same way. So looking back at it, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, it went both ways. I could have worked on a lot of things for sure, too. Yeah, I think so. Also, um, I grew up in a very, like, Pentecostal home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, growing up, like, uh, 16 years, I literally, like, grew up in church, like, like the pews was, like, my bed. That's <laughs> a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know. <laughs> um, but I grew up in church, and it was a very, like, Pentecostal church, uh, very traditional. Um, and as Alex was saying, at, at sometimes it was very, it seemed like very, like, legalistic. And, yeah. um, and I remember that when my family decided to transition to, like, another church. Mm-hmm. And during that process of transitioning to another church, like, mind you, I grew up in this church 16 years. This is all I knew, all my friends. You know, like you had like your school friends, but like your real friends were like the church friends, you know. Yeah. And so um, I remember that when we transitioned out, everybody that I knew, like, stopped talking to me. And I remember that I experienced like this church hurt. 
for the first time because church was like something I loved, right? It's like, oh, I love the church. Love the, and then like when you go through something difficult, it's crazy because like um, it, it, it gets not tainted, but it like it, you see it different. And I remember that from that point, kind of as what Alex was saying, um, and it's something that got still like, it's, I'm not saying like, oh man, I got it together, but like something got, got still like working in my heart because, you know, we have to like remember the way of love. You know, at times when like I see um, movements like these or I encounter or have conversations with people who are um, remind me or trigger trigger things from the past, like my like reaction is wanting to like lash out or is wanting to like, yeah. like, nah, like y'all, y'all crazy, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I think it's important and something that we've been talking about, like in our cruise, it's like reminding ourselves like the way of love and being able to filter like what we say, how we think of people, not thinking of ourselves better than yeah. others, yeah. right? And like we're worried, so worried about like someone else's like a speck in their eye. Oh yeah, but you have the log in your eye. Yeah, and so I think a lot of times when it comes to church, or, like I'm so like ah, this person, this is <laughs> and that that I felt to realize that um, sometimes like not even trying, we can hurt people along the way. Whether it's like a, a like a something we say, a joke we make. Um, that at times it's not like intentional, but um, it comes out of our mouth and somehow in the way we can hurt people and we judge others for what they've done to us. But at times we don't realize that we yeah. can hurt people as well. Yeah. And I think for many pastors, it's like, I don't know where along their story they buy into the lie that they are above making mistakes or above yeah, like falling prey to things. Right. And, and they, it's like it's a defense thing to admit that they're wrong. And in all reality, it's like, no, we're we're all on this, you know, path of following Jesus together. We're all being sanctified, both you and me. I know I had a situation recently with my pastor that was monumental in my faith. Um, he had said something that offended me. And I had left, it was our wives were at dinner at his house and um, I felt a certain way leaving there. And I went, my mind, just because of the stuff I'd experienced, I went to like fight or flight and I just don't have enough fight in me anymore because of what I experienced. So it was yeah. like flight. So I went down that like trail. I, I thought like, man, we're going to like have to leave the church. And, and I remembered Matthew 18 where it's like, Hey, if you have something against your brother, go to him. And so rather than looping other people in on what's going on, rather than like posting something, you know, on Twitter or some creed or whatever, venting, <laughs> like, you know, in all the unhealthy ways we can right. handle stuff, I just call them and explain what happened. And I wasn't ready for his response. He's, he just real quickly was like, Michael, I am so sorry. Um, I know sometimes I can carry things too far. I need, I repent and I seek your forgiveness. Can you forgive me? And all of me, because I'm not used to healthy culture. Yeah. I like, I wasn't ready for that. I'm used to dealing with like someone being defensive or someone saying it's you and how you, I'm sorry you interpreted. And if you got offended, wow. he owned it and he, you know, repented and asked my forgiveness. Wow. And as soon as I forgave him, uh, it's like that bitterness and the offense and the flight, it just instantly was gone. And it's funny how you say too, um, or that's good how you're saying like entailing other people, right? Like bringing other people into kind of your mess or your church hurt. 
And I feel like I did that with, um, well, for a season with you, actually, with Michael. I remember I would go to his office at um, the church he was serving at and kind of like vent and and almost like word vomit on him, right? Just like give him all these things. And, and at the time, not really knowing to, you know, he was kind of going through something similar at the same time as well. So I think we both kind of really connected and bounced off of each other in that sense. And it almost was like, uh, not that our friendship was unhealthy, but it was unhealthy that we were just like kind of like just going back and forth with this like, ah, oh, you know, they hurt me this way. And he's like, yeah, they hurt me this way too, you know? And so it was a season of we were just kind of like inserting other people where we could have easily just gone to the other person, kind of like you said in, in Matthew 18. Yeah, and I even just think looking back at that, situation and season I wish I would have partnered with like what God was doing there at your church and like pushing you into your pastor and pushing you into those conversations and um you know if you had an initial one and he wasn't hearing it maybe even offering to sit in or if that would be appropriate um because I think what can be communicated and I've, I've definitely learned this a hard way is sometimes when we go to other pastors rather than our own, what we're actually communicating is like, I don't trust that you can handle or like you can minister to me or that like, I don't trust that even though God's put you in this position that you're actually equipped to deal with what I'm going through. Wow. Yeah. Another big thing that I've realized and kind of what you're mentioning is communication and how communication is so important. Um, and I was um, having a conversation with my friend the other day and she was like, Oh, like, you know, you know how to communicate really well. Like, how, like, how do you do that? Or, you know, and I was like, you know, it's not something that I've always known how to do, but I've seen the hurt and the damage that it can cause to not communicate. And, you know, maybe part of the church hurt that we go through is not communicating and going directly to the source and saying, you know what, this bugged me. And we let situations build and resentment build and, you know, sometimes people can't offend us. But again, at the same time, um, I think it's healthier to communicate and confront a situation than to not and let that resentment and that hurt build. Because sometimes we can be hurting ourselves and then we like to play the blame game and point the finger at other people. Wow. Yeah, it's good. And it's so good. It's like the, you know, it's the verse in the Bible. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I don't think that's necessarily literal i think there's just the bible's communicating hey there's like an urgency like handle this like the longer you don't handle this the more bitterness is going to take root the more offense maybe the more prey you're going to be to like getting involved in gossip and slander and that's why the bible's like hey like handle this immediately like it's not good for your soul to just not have healthy communication that's super good nani yeah and i think also coming back to that passage I think at times, like, you know, when we carry, like, this resentment, you know, and we come to God, and I think at times when we forgive people for things that have been said in the past, things that have been done, what's crazy, and even the story you're saying, like, as we forgive people, it's, like, chains, things that were, like, felt like we're holding us back, like, are let go. And so I think that um, it's, and, and it requires faith, you know, like it requires mm-hmm. faith to forgive. I remember when it's kind of, it's kind of funny now, but it wasn't funny back then. But um, I remember once we were, well, um, at my old church, we were going through the 10 commandments. Come on, the law. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so we're going through the 10 commandments. And I remember we got to uh, the commandment of do not murder. 
right? And and then we go to the book of Matthew and and we come to that passage like, hey, like like if a brother or a sister, like if you have something against someone, right? If there's this this conflict, like go leave your gift at the altar, go fix that, come back, and then, right? And so that that's the passage I was teaching, right? Yeah. And I remember around that time, um, I had like my right my right hand guy that was like we were like leading the whole English ministry. For whatever reason, um, he like left the church. There was a lot of hurt that happened there, not only with with me but with the church itself. And so I remember that I grew like this resentment against him, and like, oh man, he like said this, he did this, and I remember like I'm prepping to do this message, and I go to Barnes and Noble with Eric. And Eric's like, hey, bro, like, what are you preaching on this weekend? And I'm like, oh, man, it's, you know, do not murder. And he's like, so, like, what what, what are you going to preach? And so I'm, I'm telling him the passage that we're just mentioning. Yeah. And he's like, he looks at me, he gives me the eyes, and he's like, bro, like, are you going to, like, talk to, like, you know who, right? And I'm like, um, yeah, bro, like, uh, yeah, I, I think I probably should, right? He's like, yeah, bro, mm-hmm. like, like, make sure you do it. And I'm like, bet. So that's, like, <laughs> midweek. Saturday rolls around. Saturday was normally like my prep day. And so I'm like at a coffee shop and I like um, have the computer in front of me, my coffee, the cold brew. I'm like, all right, let's type away. And I can't type anything, man. And it's like, I, I like, you know, like when you sermon prep, but like nothing comes out. Yeah. And you're like, man, like what's wrong? And like, I'm praying. I'm like, God, like, like show me like, like, what do I need to type? And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, bro, like, you know, like, you yeah. know, you know why you can't type. And I remember, like, like I, like, had to leave everything there. And li- quite literally, like, leave your gift at the altar. Go fix that thing. Yeah. Come back. And I left that thing there. And I walked outside of the coffee shop. And in the parking lot, I'm, like, pacing for, like, 20 minutes. Like, man, wow. like, what am I going to say? Like, I feel like I was the one that was hurt. Like, they should be the ones calling me, asking me for forgiveness. Because they did this to me, the victim, right? And I remember, like... I was like, no, I can't, I can't call. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I remember, like, I don't know. I, as I was talking about this, but I don't know if yeah. you've ever done this. Like, you, like, accidentally call someone, but it was, like, on purpose. Like, <laughs> ah, like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, ah, I, click, ah, well, it's, I mean, it's already ringing. So I got to just go with it. And so I remember, like, um, he answered. And I remember, I like, I, I apologized, and, you know, for the way, like, miscommunication and how things happened. And uh, this person didn't apologize, not once. And But what was crazy is that, me telling him, hey, man, like, I forgive you. It was so liberating for me. And then I remember that coming back into the coffee shop. Then, it, like, I was, like, able to, like, write. But it it, can, it comes back to, like, that idea of, like, man, there's an urgency um, to forgive. And at times forgiving, like, is us letting go of, of resentment, letting go of, of the hurt. And it's not an easy thing because, um, you know, at least in my story, it was like, man, like, I didn't do anything. This dude is the one that did all this stuff. And like, he should be the one calling me. And yeah. so sometimes God places him position, positions us in places where it's like, man, like we need to reach out. I think of too many Christians will just, it's like cancel culture, like just yeah. cancel you, you know, and like dip and I'm going to a different church. And it's so yeah. easy now. Like there's so many churches in LA, Orange County. Right. And I think in the first century, like the church was ran in the first century um, like during that time of Hellenism where you have Pharisees and Sadducees, it was corrupt religious mafia, the Sadducees running the temple, doing crazy things with the money. But yet that was the people of God. Like they went to the temple to worship Yahweh and they didn't, they didn't have any other churches. Like right. that was 
where they had to go and they had to deal with it and still worship God in a corrupt, a corrupt place. And I mean, I think of today, like too many Christians are quick to, to move churches. And what happens is they become like the potted plant at like Home Depot or Target that kind of just gets moved around from like spot to spot in the store. And it's getting some light, it's getting some water and, you know, may get some new growth and um, may continue to have like an appearance of health, but it's not actually being taken home. It's not being taken out of the pot. It's not being planted. It's not um, being put into the earth where really there's like no boundary of just how deep the roots can grow. And I think, man, God has invited all of us to be planted and rooted into the local church and put our roots down deep to where, yeah, like, are you going to get hurt and experience abuse? Like, you know, maybe a little bit here and there where you lose a limb or a leaf falls off, but your roots are so embedded into the community and family of God that like, it doesn't, it doesn't shake you like you, Matthew 18, it and handle it in an appropriate way. And what happens is new growth happens like more like new leaves grow and maybe limbs grow back and you're just solid. And I think sometimes we miss that view of just how connected we're invited to be in the local church. And every time we leave a church because of something, one, we take ourselves to the next place and more than likely God's going to put us in in a similar situation. We're going to have to deal or respond in a better way or deal with that thing in us. Um, But it's like we hit the reset button on getting and connected in community and um, putting roots down deep. Eugene Peterson said uh, perseverance is a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. And I think that um, we were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. You know how like at times we move to the next thing too quick mm-hmm. when sometimes God in even in difficult seasons, I think that's where God brings the most growth. Yeah. And it's sometimes in the difficult that we get to experience and learn things about God's nature that we wouldn't be able to learn. And I know that it's, it's not God's will for us to like be hurt, but I know that even through the hurt, like God is that good that he can even use the hurt. And through the hurt, we can learn something about ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can learn something about his church. We can learn something about him. And as you were saying, like God wants us to be people that are planted. Right. And so when the storm comes, like we're going to persevere because perseverance is obedience in the same direction. Right. And so I think that's pretty cool, man. Definitely. And I think it just goes back to, you know, that thing where it's like for us, it might feel like wasted time, space and energy, but for God, nothing is wasted. Right. So he's going to use every aspect, every part of our life um, to help us grow. And um, we don't have to worry about, am I making the right decision or am I doing the right thing? Like at the end of the day, God's in control of of our path and our journey. And he's going to make sure we get there. I think if I could speak to even anyone listening on this podcast, like um, Jesus is well acquainted with like what we experience. He was fully God and fully man. Uh, And we're invited to run to Jesus who can sympathize and empathize with us. Uh, Isaiah 53, three says he's a man of sorrows who can sympathize with us because of his own suffering. And he invites us to boldly, not timidly approach his throne and find grace. And I think too many times in dealing with church hurt, I found security in running to anything and everything but God. 
yeah. looking for, I don't know what, but it wasn't until I like ran to Jesus that I got peace, that I got grace, that I got like a boldness yeah. um, that, you know, the Holy Spirit would remind me of a passage like, don't let the sun go down your anger, Matthew 18 to like prompt me like you in the coffee shop, David, like, yeah. you know, to go make things right. Um, and I think even in church planning, like with Eden, uh, church, it's, this is so timely and just so vital for like the health of uh, a church plant. Cause it's not about just starting, you know, it's not about a successful start, but we really want to have a faithful finish. Yeah. And like you said, long obedience in the same direction. Like we want to have a culture of people who are humble and, um, can play a part in each other's sanctification and following after Jesus. It's beautiful. When we talk about like the culture, um, here that we're trying to build at Eden, it's a culture where, um, one of our values is live authentically. And so we're going to people who live authentically lead from a place of authenticity. And at times that's going to be having conversations that may be a little bit awkward, but at the end of the day, it's like leadership. It's not about what happens to you. It's about how we respond. Right. And so I think uh, being like a young church with a lot of young leaders and young people serving, um, we're going to go through some some difficult moments. But I think through that, if we can be good at uh, being able to resolve conflict and being humble enough to, you know, take responsibility when we mess up, I think that we can change the narrative or at least create a space where people who have been hurt can find a place, find a home. Yeah, I think that falls also perfectly into um, one of our values that people are our heart because if people are really our heart, then we're going to be able to um, admit that we're wrong because we care for others and we care for their heart. We care that they don't get hurt, you know, and obviously like Michael was saying, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but every chance we get to um, apologize, we're going to do it because people are our heart and we're not going to, you know, ever intentionally let our pride get in the way um, or hurt people. So good. I think it's encouraging because maybe you haven't experienced hurt, but the truth is we live in a broken world with broken people. And at times um, we're going to experience hurt, but I think it's a beautiful reminder. We can acknowledge the hurt. Hey man, this is, this is like, we don't have to shove it under the rug, like, but be honest about, Hey, this is where I'm at. But at the same time with that, like viewing it with the lens of love, treating this with love, being honest with people that hurt us, right? Not go with other people, but like, be honest, and then through the process of that, we can run to Jesus, knowing that He's the one that relates to us. It's you know, it's like yeah. um, God is close to the brokenhearted. And so, no matter where you're at in life, whether you're going through a difficult season, you've gone through a difficult season. Um, we want you to know that God is a God of healing, mm-hmm. and that no matter how deep that wound is, His grace invades the deepest wounds in our hearts. Yeah, and that's the beauty of grace that um, we don't have to shy away and our wounds aren't the things that disqualify us from God, but those are the things that God wants to invade with his mercy, with his love, and with his grace.